We're in a season in the Christian calendar. First, actually, before I begin, I just want to thank you uh, for the genuine respect you have shown uh, throughout chapel. I know uh, coming in here twice a week, and it's sometimes often crowded, unlike today. Uh, and uh, sometimes uh, uh, you have a lot of other things on your mind, but overall you really have demonstrated genuine respect, not only for your peers, but for our time as we gather together to worship the Lord. So I want to thank you for that, uh, this semester you've demonstrated of. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful example for others to follow. So thank you. Uh, in the Christian calendar, we follow, there is a season we're in the midst of called Advent. And a lot of you, maybe many of you didn't celebrate or prepare for the Christmas season by journeying through Advent. Uh, maybe it wasn't something that your church focused on. But Advent uh, really means coming. And it means the coming of our Lord. So we prepare for the coming of the Lord starting the first Sunday after Thanksgiving. And uh, each Sunday, the following four Sundays until the Christmas Day, there is a different theme and a different focus. But, but we always focus on the coming of the Lord. And the first two Sundays of Advent really focus on the Lord's second coming. Uh, the lectionary texts for the week are focusing on the second coming of Christ. In fact, the text I'm going to be reading from Romans, we're, we're focusing on the second coming, when Christ returns for his people. That is what we're preparing for. We prepare in that way as Christians. And we're going to look at how must we live in preparing for the return of the Lord. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But then the last two Sundays of Advent, then of course Christmas, Christmas Day, we prepare for the coming of Jesus in the manger. And in, during the Advent season, a lot of churches, you'll see, like they have up here, an Advent wreath. And for each Sunday, a candle is lit. And we begin at a distance in Advent. And that's actually the title of today's message. It, it, we begin at a distance. And at Advent, we begin at a distance. Four weeks out, we focus on the second coming of Christ. And as we move closer to Christmas, another candle is lit. So next week, there will be two candles lit. And then the following week, three, until Christmas Sunday, and the, the center candle is lit for the coming of Christ. So we begin at a distance with just a small light to lead us, with just a small light to guide us. And as we prepare for the coming of the Lord, what does that mean for our life? What does that mean for our home? What does that mean for our church? Because it's not just an individual journey, it is a corporate journey we're called to take. It's not just about me and Jesus, it's about us as a corporate body, it's about your churches. And I hope that as you return home after finals, after you ace all your finals, and I know this will be the highest GPA on record at Eastern Nazarene College, I just believe that. But as you return after that, I hope that you're taking part in an Advent journey with your community of faith. So we prepare, we begin at a distance, and we begin the journey together. Our text today is found in Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 14. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 14. And here Paul is talking about what must it look like to be people of God as we prepare for the Lord's return. And you're going to see, he's going to talk about in these verses that the day, is, the day is drawing near, the night is almost past, we must prepare for the Lord's coming. So Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 14, will you please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear the word of the Lord. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. 
The night is almost gone and the day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your word has been spoken. By the power of your Holy Spirit, apply it to our hearts and lives that we might be forever changed. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. All right, we're going to do it. We're going to begin. I've done it a few times this semester. We're going to begin. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you to call out the answer. Don't scream, but just call out the answer. I'm going to tell you the question so you can have ten seconds to think about it. Well, seven seconds. I want you to call out the greatest love song of all time. Not yet. Take a few seconds. Think about it. You can then tell me what the greatest love song of all time is, and I'm going to actually tell you what the greatest love song of all time is after you tell me what you think it is. So are you ready? Count of three. Tell me the greatest love song of all time. One, two, three. Those are all good. Thank you, thank you. The voting poll is now closed. Thank you. The greatest love song, actually he, he sang many great love songs. It's from the disco era, before my time. I was a small, small child. One of the greatest love song artists of all time was a man by the name of Barry White. And uh, my wife uh, is going to struggle to know that I'm about to say this, but I actually played this song for her uh, when we started dating to let her know how much I care for her. So Anna, will you please play the song? Who knows this song? Uh, you turn up a little bit more. I need to get some sports. My wife is rolling her eyes and is embarrassed right now. What am I gonna do? How should I be? I'm sorry. Alright, thank you. Can't get enough of your love, babe, is the name of that song. And the moment I played that for, she said, Will you marry me? <laughs> or maybe I imagine that. I can't remember. I also told her, this is true, I actually really did play that for her. On our very first date, maybe I shared this too, I told her on our first date, I just need to let you know from the beginning, Michael Jackson is the king of pop. I really told her that. And uh, twining, shaking his head, he doesn't understand, but that's all right. (laughs) But the greatest love song, could have asked the great don't answer, greatest movie, all these things, all these songs and poems, and um, there are so many people better than I that could articulate love and what it means and what it's all about. But here in this text, uh, Paul is telling, telling us that love is fulfilling all the requirements of God's law. If we would just be people of love. He's quoting from Leviticus 19.18, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That verse in Leviticus is the most often quoted verse from the Pentateuch by New Testament writers. 
Meaning the writers of the New Testament, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, they quote that verse more than any other verse out of the first five books of the Bible. Leviticus 19.18 Love, you, must, you shall love the Lord, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's what we're called to do. And being, I've heard a lot of messages about love and I've heard a lot of poems and great songs and obviously we just heard one of the greatest songs of all time about love and, and all of that, but uh, we still fall so short. And sometimes you put it up on this pedestal so, and we can can write about it and sing about it, but we still fall so short of what God is calling us to do and to be. So I want to begin by what, by what Paul is saying love is not. And so I want to jump down to actually verse 13. I know I'm getting out of order here, but he tells us in verse 13, Do not participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. What he is saying there is do not do anything that harms or, break down or breaks down the community. Don't do anything that breaks down the community of faith. Again, we're on this Advent journey. We're, we're journeying together. So keep that in mind that as we journey, not only during the season of Advent, but as Christians, as we journey together, we must not do anything that harms one another or breaks down the family, that breaks down the community. And we focus, you've heard many of messages on wild parties and drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and immoral living, that we often miss that at the same level he's putting something else there that we quickly read over. That I've actually, I'll just use this one as an example. He also says, or in quarreling and in jealousy. Jealousy, quarreling, that breaks down what God wants to do through us as a community. That breaks down what God wants to do through you. The way that God wants to let his life shine through you, his light shine through you. It's broken down. It, it can't work to the fullest if there is jealousy. You've heard many messages on the other things, and they're very important. I'm not dismissing them, but I don't know if we talk a lot about jealousy or quarreling. Because many of us are pretty good at that. We must be critical in our thinking. We must be critical in our thinking. That's one of the reasons why you're here. You must be critical in your thinking, but we must not become critical in our spirit. To be critical in our spirit is where we're really hoping someone fails. We're really hoping someone messes up. We really want to point out to them, you know, you could have done this better, and you know what, maybe they could have. But our spirit becomes one of where we want to see them fall, we want to see them stumble, or we don't want to see them succeed because of jealousy, because of insecurity. And that destroys us. That destroys communities. That destroys families. That destroys communities of faith. And Paul's saying we must be above that. We must be people of love. So we must be critical in our thinking, but not critical in our spirit. In the beginning, it's kind of interesting, he bookends this passage, it begins with eight, owe nothing to anyone, and then he concludes by saying, don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. It's bookend, and between those two we have these, this incredible passage of calling us to love. Owe nothing to anyone, because if you are indebted to someone, it prohibits all that you can do and be and give. Now, I was in debt higher than most of you when I graduated school, I know what that's like. And I know what it's like to have a mortgage, and we couldn't have bought a home in New York if we didn't, so I know about what it's like being in debt. When I finally finished seminary and had over $50,000 worth of school bills, and we were starting a church, and I don't know if you know this, but small churches of seven people, they don't pay very well. So I knew that if we carried this large debt where the payments were like six or $700 a month, it would, it would cripple the church. So for two and a half years, 
I worked another job and my wife worked full time before the children arrived and in two years I was able to pay, we took almost 100% of my salary to pay that off. And there will be times and that will go into debt, but, but Paul is saying, please don't, don't, don't become so burdened, don't be so indebted that you can't allow God to use you to the fullest. Don't allow your debts to be some, become so great that you're not able to tithe. Don't allow your debts and your time commitments to be so burdensome that you can't commit time to the church and the ministries of the church. See, it's about journeying together in a community, and if we have too much debt, if we have too many commitments other than what God has called us to do and to be, it hurts the church and it breaks down the community. Love satisfies all of God's requirements. It's not about rules. I preached about that a few weeks ago. And here in verse 10 it says, Love fulfills the requirements of God's law. The Christian life is not about following rules. It's about allowing Christ to be manifested in your heart and in your life so that you love others the same way that Christ loves you. So you make the same sacrificial uh, giving to another person's life the way Christ has made a sacrificial love offering you by dying on the cross for us. Love fulfills the requirements of God's law. William Greathouse writes, The person who truly loves in this way will be found to have fulfilled all the commandments of the law. So the Christian life is not about rule. But when we truly live a life of love, when we truly live in a way that surrenders our heart and life to God, we naturally will fulfill the commandments because we're living as Christ called us to live. Loving others as ourselves. In verse 14, did you catch it? I had the title of a message a few weeks ago called the ENC Dress Code, and it was out of Galatians, and now we see it again here in verse 14. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm learning more and more as I continue this journey what that means and what that looks like. It's, it is a journey. And sometimes that journey takes us to interesting places and the Lord will call us to love challenging people or the Lord will ask us to forgive others even if they haven't asked for forgiveness. It's a challenging, challenging journey. Are you willing to be a person that loves others the same way you love yourself? That's the journey we're called to take and to follow. And it's easy to say, you know... um, I'm reading a, a, new, a book called by Greg Morrison. Maybe many of you read it called Three Cups of Tea. And this is a, a man who was uh, hiking up K2. And uh, he was injured and got lost in the mountains. And a, a small little village found him. He stumbled into a small village and found him and, and cared for him. And he was there, I think, for several weeks. I'm only 27% of the way through the book. At least that's how, what my Kindle says. I'm 27% of the way through. But they cared for him. So he has this passion now to go and build schools in these small little villages in Pakistan and Afghanistan where there's no formal education and the children are, are sitting outside on the cold ground. So, and we look to Greg Mortensen's life and it's a powerful, powerful story. Again, I'm only a quarter of the way through it. And, and we think, wow, why can't I do something like that? And we look at the big and the grand and say, and we allow that to inspire us. But Greg Mortensen, after he came back from Pakistan, he, he lived for a year out of his car. He worked at a hospital, he had a good job, and he was saving money to build a school in Pakistan. He was trying to save $12,000 to go back to Pakistan in this remote mountain area to build a school, and he sent out over 580 letters asking for money. He sent letters to Oprah. Oprah didn't make a contribution. He sent letters to anchors and celebrities, anyone could have 585 letters, I think it was, he sent out, and he got one check. He got one check, I believe it was from Tom Brokaw, because they, they went to the same university, different years, but they went to the same university, and Tom Brokaw gave him $100. Uh, a very rich um, 
Silicon Valley computer engineer, I believe, founder of many companies, called him one day and says, how much do you need to build a school? He said $12,000. He sent him a check for $12,000. And I'm now in the part of the book where he's building the school. But I know that the story goes on where he's built schools all over Afghanistan and Pakistan, especially for little girls, because if they don't get an education, they can't break out of this cycle of poverty. And we look at that and think, wow, Greg Mortensen. Wow, Mother Teresa. And they are great and wonderful things, but you know, we, those are the macro, the big, the tremendous things. But you know, Greg Mortensen loved them when he was in that little village and got to know them and, and lived a year in his car to try to save. We don't, we don't glorify that story. We kind of talk about it a little bit, but we want to we get to the big picture. We must love people every day in the simple, everyday things of life. That's how we're spiritually formed. That's how God works through us and grows in us and the love of Christ is glorified in us. And most of, most of us will do things that the world knows nothing about. Most of us will never be a Greg Mortensen with best-selling books, and his books are good, and I'd recommend, again, reading him. And Mother Teresa, of course, I've read all of her stuff. We love all of that. I'm not putting that down at all, but we need to accept the fact that most likely for most of us, we will not be at that level, but will you still love? Will you still make sacrificial gifts? Will you still orient, orient your life in a way that you live on little so that you can give more to others? Love does no wrong to others. Love fulfills the requirements of God's law. So love your neighbor. Owe nothing to anyone. As we move on down into the verses, we, we see that we still have time, but time is running out. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. He's talking about when Christ returns. Christ will return for us soon. That day is running out. So while we have this time now, let's do all that we can to love others. Let's do all that we can to care for one another. Let's do all that we can to be people of reconciliation. Let's do all that we can to be people of justice and people of peace. He's calling out and he's crying out to live in such a way. And so this first Sunday, this first, Sunday, this first week of Advent, as we begin the journey, the challenge, the scriptures from today is for us to live the same way. We live in the most affluent country in the history of the world. But are we living in a way that we're able to make sacrifices so we can give to others in need? Whether that is sponsoring a child for a month or even donating a teddy bear, it makes a difference. Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Are you caring for others? He gives this metaphor, the night is almost gone, the day of salvation will soon be here. He's referring to that point today, which I know you're all sleeping where... Here in the Quincy area, I walk my dog very early in the morning because she refuses to sleep in. So I walk her in the morning. There will be times when I'm on the beach where I can still see the moon and I can see the sun. There are actually those moments in the day where you can see both at certain times of the month. And it's a, it's a beautiful and glorious scene. And that's the time of day that Paul's talking about. The night is almost past. Evil has been defeated. It's not yet been completed, but it's almost done. The day is almost here. Our time is running out. Please be people of love. That's who we're called to be. Before Christ returns, and it really is a beautiful walk. It's probably about 5.30 in the morning, 6. Uh, it's different times of the month. You can see the, the sun and moon. And I stand there in God's beauty and majesty, and I'm just amazed. And It's really a holy and sacred moment. I feel like I'm in the presence of the Lord. And then I take a bag out of the leash and bend over and pick up my dog's droppings. It really kind of kills the moment, actually. Uh, <laughs> Professor Twine's giving me the thumbs up. He's like, oh, that's sacred and holy, sacred and holy. Beautiful time of the day. And that's what Paul's saying we're living. The, the night is almost gone. Day is almost here. Will you be people of the light? Will you be people of the day? Will you live in a way where people look to your life and see the light of Christ shining through you? The way that he says it in verse 12 and 13 is this. 
put on the shining armor of right living. Put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to the day. Let the light of Christ shine through your heart and through your life. David Crowder has a song called Shine. In the verse it says, Shine your light so I can see you. Pull me up, I need to be near you. Hold me, I need to be loved. Shine your light so that I can see you. You can say, Corey, yeah, well, he's probably talking about Christ. Yeah, it's probably so. But as Christians, we believe that as we ask Christ into our hearts and lives, the light of Christ shines through us. And then we become the hands and feet of Christ. So he's crying out, put on the shining armor of bright living. Allow the light of Christ to shine through your life. Clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's pleading, time is running out. Clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love others, even those who are difficult to love. You say, Cor, you don't know people that have hurt me. And you're right, I don't. You don't know how difficult it is to love this family member or that family member. And you're right, I don't. You're asking me to forgive and to love, but you don't understand, Corey. You don't understand the pain someone has caused me. I cannot love. I cannot forgive. And you're right. I don't understand. And I don't want to belittle your pain and belittle your hurt to say, well, you just need to love. Well, you just need to forgive. Because I don't even believe that's the way God is calling us to live. Stay with me here just for a moment. I believe he's calling us to love even those who have harmed us. I believe he's calling us to forgive even those who have hurt us. But we often think we have to come right up and just all is well, all is forgiven. When no, I really think and hear the good news today because this is good news. Please hear me. The Lord's just saying, I just want you to begin the journey. Just follow the small light that you have. Just begin the journey of loving. Just begin the journey of reconciliation. And as you journey this life in a community of faith, as you journey, I promise, the light of Christ will grow brighter in your heart and life. As you take that journey of really, truly trying to love others, truly trying to be reconciled, truly trying to be people of peace and justice, if you're willing to take that journey, as you journey, the light of Christ will grow brighter in your heart and in your life. The question is, will you take that journey? We had uh, chapel speakers uh, last year, two of them, that both talked about horrible upbringings and how their fathers harmed them. And both of them shared their journey, how it was years, years it took to forgive their fathers. And one of them said, every morning as I was showering, I would just say, Lord, God, help me to forgive James. Help me to forgive James. Help me to forgive James. He couldn't even call him dad. Years. And I know it's a long journey and a painful journey, but that's all the more reason why we journey together as a community of faith so we can import, support and encourage one another. And as we journey closer and closer to this day when Christ returns or we go to be with Christ, we can be people of love and justice and reconciliation and peace. Are you willing to at least begin the journey? I'm not asking you to get to this point where all is forgiven and all is forgotten because I don't think that's what God wants. I think he wants us to go through the journey of spiritual development and growth where we're learning about love, where we're learning to love, where we're learning about reconciliation. I think he wants us to go through that journey. I know many of us wish, can't I just gain victory over this? Can't I just arrive here already? Can't the relationship just be good? And in some situations that does happen, but more often than not, the Lord that calls us to take this journey. Are you going to take the journey? 
taking steps, a little at a time, at least facing, at least facing the light of Christ. A few years ago, I uh, became very good friends with, uh, with a pastor. And I hesitate to use this uh, illustration because uh, when you hear the illustration, it carries so much baggage with many of us and thoughts and theological discussion and biblical perspectives, but again, I just ask you to stay with me. I met Pastor Shane at a, a forum at Stony Brook University where uh, gay marriage was being debated. And uh, Shane was a gay pastor at what he said was an evangelical church. And after the forum and after the discussion, we got to talking, and we actually, we didn't have friends in common, but we had a lot in common. Uh, he told me a little bit about his upbringing. He was familiar with the Church of the Nazarene, and uh, he attended it for a while. And his parents were upset when he attended the Church of the Nazarene in Ohio because they said, those Nazarenes are so liberal. Ohio Nazarenes, which is like really shocking, trust me, if someone actually said that. Um, so we struck up a friendship. And we had, we had significant differences theologically, uh, biblically. Very important differences in regards to life and living. Very important differences. And he became one of my closest friends. And he became one of the most important people in my life. Though I didn't realize it at the time, because we didn't hang out a lot, but we kept in, in regular contact. And uh, one week he says, Corey, why don't you come to my church, which was a church specifically for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community. Why don't you come to my church and preach? And I said, Shane, are you crazy? <laughs> you really are inviting me to preach at your church? We both started churches the same year on Long Island, both in Suffolk County. Um, and he says, I'm going to call it the Day of Solidarity. We will focus on what unites us not on what separates us. And for three years in a row, we had a day of solidarity that changed church. And it was a good friendship. My wife and children were in his home, in his partner's home, for, uh, for a meal. And I think I shared this before. They had every Disney movie under the sun. And so my children were just in heaven. They had a dog. My kids loved the dog. And they were in our home for dinner. And there were important differences and distinctions that uh, were important, theologically, biblically. But uh, God used him in my life in real and powerful ways to understand what we're reading about here in Romans 13. Love fulfills the requirements of God's law. The week that Professor Severson's article came out, a very important and good and wonderful article, and I'm thankful that he wrote it, I got a call that it, at the age of 36, Shane passed away in his sleep. We don't have to have the answers for everything. We don't have to understand it all. We don't have to arrive at the given place and say all is good and all is well and there are no problems and there are no issues but we do have to be willing to face the light of Christ and be willing to take that journey and love others. 
Are you willing to take that journey? Not just during these four or five weeks during the Advent season, but in your spiritual life and in your journey every day of your life. Will you take that journey and clothe yourselves with the presence of Jesus Christ? Clothe yourselves with the shining armor of right living. I think David Crowder had it right in his song. Shine your light so I can see you. Pull me up. I need to be near you. Hold me. I need to feel love. Yes, he's singing about Christ. And Christ is in your heart and in your life. Will you take the journey, even if it means beginning at a distance? Let us stand and pray. Lord, help us to love. I don't have the words like the great poets or songwriters. Or I know I fall short. I just know that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you can make us into the people of love you want us to be. I know that, that that's true for all of us, that by the power of your Holy Spirit working in us, your light can shine through us, your love can shine through us, so that we might be people of love and forgiveness and grace and justice and reconciliation and peace. Lord, if there's anyone in the sanctuary that has not been willing to at least begin that journey, we take a few moments of silence now, and a silence beyond words, to give them an opportunity to give them an opportunity to offer their hearts and lives to you. now as we go our separate ways to complete the semester, to finish classes and prepare for exams and papers, to fellowship with one another in the calf, in the gym, and all the other activities we have over the next two weeks. May your light shine through us. May we clothe ourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you might be glorified. And may it not be just during this day or during this Advent season, but every day of our life until you return. May we be ready. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go in peace. You are dismissed. Have a great week. Show.